What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to another episode of the Speak On It podcast with K. Sam. Man, hold up. Let me just let this beat run for a second. Yeah. Hey, shout out to my boy Lil D, man. My boy Lil D told me that beat goes so hard. And he was like, man, every time that thing come on, I just want to bop to it. So Lil D, man, that was for you, man. Let that thing run for a little bit longer. But ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Speak On It podcast with K. Sam. Here, our motto on the Speak On It podcast is, we're not trying to change the entire world, but reach the heart of one person at a time. And on today's episode, I have a special guest tuning in with me via FaceTime. Is the one and only, my classmate from Eunice, Louisiana, E-Town in the building. Stand up, my people. Uh, we've got Mr. Delonzoville, for everybody who know him back home, a.k.a. The Dude, you know. <laughs> What's up, The Dude? What's up, man? Not much, man. Welcome to the show, bro. Uh, excited to have you. Uh, so, ladies and gentlemen, just kind of give you a little insight on him, man. Like I said, it's my boy, Delonzoville, a.k.a. The Do for everybody from back at home. Uh, he now lives in Seattle, Washington. He's a counselor at a juvenile center in Washington State. Uh, the Do holds three degrees. Yeah, that's right, three degrees. Associate's, right. bachelor's, and a master's in criminal justice. Uh, and he also is part of the Pathway for Excellence. So we're going to get into all those. We're going to talk about, uh, you know, what does it mean holding those criminal justice uh, degrees, especially the master's. Uh, we're going to dive into the Pathway for Excellence, talk more about that's a nonprofit uh, that was started with him and some other people from back in Eunice. And we're going to dive into gun violence, you know, what it means gun violence uh, to him. He lost his father due to gun violence, so we'll let him touch more on that. Um. Man, we're going to talk about the social justice, uh, you know, social issues involving law enforcement that, that we that we seeing going on in this world these days. So, man, without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Delonzoville, a.k.a. The Dude. What's up, baby? What's up, man? How you doing? Man, I'm doing good, man. How How's that life in, in Seattle, man? They got a couple, oh, couple love, of classmates up there, huh? I love it up there. Yeah, I know, um... Yeah, about three of us here that I know of, and I know a couple in Oregon, and that's all like the same thing. But I, I love it here. It's like a totally different world. That's good, man. That's good. Big change from, from small town units, huh? Oh, definitely a big change. <laughs> big change, man. I see I see you saw on Facebook, man. You done a little a little boxing match, man? You a boxer too, dude? Yeah, yeah. That was um, me and a kid from back home. Um, we're 10 years older than him. He, we played PlayStation together, and he always talking that I'm old and fat. <laughs> so I just had to show him I still got a little bit in me. So what was what was the uh, the outcome of those, man? Who who won? I won. They say three two, but I watched film again, and it looked like I'm I won more for a one. All right, one all five right. two minute rounds. But they, I respect boxers. That's hard work. I was tired a minute into the first round. I was out of breath. <laughs> My anxiety was getting bad with all the headgear on, so 
Yeah, kudos to those boxes. A lot of cardio goes into that, huh? Yeah, too much. <laughs> yeah, man. So, uh, so man, let's just let's just dive into it, bro. Uh, so tell us, let the let the listeners know a little bit about yourself. Um, Delonzo, everybody know me as the dude back home in Eunice, and I'm um, just from small town Eunice. I went to college, and it kind of opened my mind more. And then I moved to Washington State, which opened my mind a lot more because it's like so diverse up here and everything is so different than small town, you know, it's big city. Like, and I I love it, man. So speaking of diverse, so like I'm up here in North Texas and that's, that's one of the first things I realized over here was the diversity, you know, like once you get out that small, that small city living, and see, it's more than just black and white people in your hometown. Right. Bro. It's like, it's crazy. Right. It, it's so crazy up there. I mean, I've met some ethnicities that I have never heard of before. It's crazy. And um, a lot of people, when I first moved up here, they're not really used to seeing just black Americans. You know, they thought I was Ethiopian or Eritrean, and that was new to me. I was, you know, I never got that before. I'm like, right. nah, I'm just Creole. Yeah, just a little country boy. what? <laughs> so, uh, so, man, talk about, talk about what you do. You say you're a counselor at the Juvenile Detention Center. Tell us a little bit more about that and, and what goes into that right. and, and your roles in that. I started off as an on-call security guard there, and then I um, got a promotion to be a counselor in the mental health um, unit. They have like 12 units total. I didn't work in all of them, but I got assigned to the mental health um, cottage. That's what they would call it. And it's great. Um, I've been learning a different set of skills on how like handling people and kids, you know, offenders, juvenile offenders. And it's great. I think, um, you know, if we could, implicate that into a lot of police work you know it could it's kind of different but it's kind of the same you know what i'm saying right right like certain skills of more of talking people down but that's not in one of those life or death situations you know that's more of just a regular situation right you know, communication skills so like kind of touching base on on the, on the mental health aspect of it uh actually my last episode i just i just uh recorded i talked about how me personally as a police officer one of my worst calls i hate going to is mental health calls because i feel i feel that's police officers shouldn't be going to to those type of calls because you know usually you know these people are acting uh in obviously not in their right state of mind and yes we have training and police work on it but honestly there's nothing we could do besides either take them to jail or bring them to the hospital you know and then if they won't, if or when they if they do come become combative, then we we are in cop mode and we have to protect ourselves and use force whatever the case is versus, hey guy you know like just chill out and try right. because they're not in that right state of mind so, you know nobody knows if they plan on hurting you or not or if they will hurt you you know remember those saying they got that crazy person strength, right and people um the thing with that is how can you tell when a person is mentally unstable? You know, it's hard to see that, like being a police officer on the scene, you probably don't know this is a person that's struggling with mental illness. You just think that 
But I don't, I, you're right. I don't think police officers should go take those calls either. You know, I think they should have some mental health specialists that specialize in that. Unless the perpetrator has a weapon, then, of course, we would need a police presence. But, you know, uh, something else I said in my last episode, I don't know if you know this, but most people don't realize this. So they have a, a place uh, up here where I work. It's called LifePad. So it's like crisis center or whatever. Uh Man, we get so many calls when people call these suicide hotlines that say, hey, I want to kill myself. They send that to us like, hey, you know, you need to go check on this person because they want to kill themselves. And that's just so mind blowing to me is like, so what are y'all there for? You know, so we could just bring them to the hospital and then what? But if we go there and knock on the door and who's to say, yeah, this person is suicidal. Would they suicide by cop or would they just, you know, in that altered state of mind and they just want these people that really hate the police and now the police come and knock on my door, you know, and then yeah. that just puts us in such a bad situation. Uh, but most yeah, people, most people don't realize that. Those calls. Yes. And I, I, bro, I'm telling you, that's the worst. I hate those calls. I don't feel that that belongs to police work, but it's crazy because now that's, that's coming up so much, uh, so much more is these mental health calls, mental health calls. So do you, you know. think, um, Police forces everywhere should just implement like a a mental health. How would I say it? Group like police officers, but also specialize in mental health. So each department could have a specialist in this, and they could send those people out there. So we actually, uh, good point. But we actually do here at my agency. uh, We actually have two two guys that's you know actual officers, but. They they just work during the day too, so that's another issue. Uh, but they work during the day, Monday through Friday, uh, and they wear you know polos with their duty belt or whatever the case is. But more so, their main focus is kind of dealing with the homeless people, which more okay, cases okay. are usually your mental people. Um, but we do have a section. I think we just hired a um, a mental health training coordinator or something like that to start dealing with all the mental health and, and make you know, doing follow-ups and, and resources and, and make sure these people are getting that, that proper help beyond what we do, you know, cause when we get somebody, let's say, you know, they made suicidal statements, we ask them a series of questions and it's kind of pretty much like, Hey, you feel like killing yourself, you know, straightforward. Like you feel like killing yourself yeah. or somebody else. Uh, and you know, yes or no. But if we don't have, if we feel that we don't have enough to, uh, to pretty much take away their rights momentarily and bring them to the hospital because we do take them into custody, but it's called emergency detention. Uh, it's called EDO, so emergency detention order, where we take them into custody, fill out some paperwork saying, you know, their behaviors, their statements or whatever, and bring them to the hospital. And all that does is make them uh, stay at the hospital for, I think it's 48, 72 hours or something like that, and they have to be seen, and they're not free to go. You know, so that's yeah, that's, that's about bad. that's think, about the most um, we can offer, you know, police wise. You know, that in, in patrol. That's not bad, though. I think our stations should adopt that and and do that. I think that would help a lot. Yeah. Uh, so I don't like I said I can't speak for for everybody else. At least in this North Texas area, I know because uh, they taught us that in police academy about these forms and stuff like that. Um, but you know, it's like, what do you do if you? if somebody calls and say, yeah, which you can't take them based off another reliable person's uh, statement. Um, so, but yeah, man, just the mental health deal is, is, is a hot topic. And it, it's sad that so many officers have been forced in a sense to use deadly force in these situations 
where, you know, people like you who who has experience in, in these in these homes are like, man, that shouldn't have been, you know, deadly force shouldn't have even came to play. But right, it's like but it's, um, lack of knowledge. And like I said, you really can't tell when a person have mental issues. So it's like you showing up on the scene and a guy has a knife and he's just talking aggressively and stuff. You get there and you probably say, okay, aggressive guy with a knife. What's the next move? But he might be having a mental breakdown. You know, we don't know how that looks. We can't tell the difference. Right. I can see how hard it would be for some police officers to pull it up on a mental health person because they would, how would they know unless someone told them beforehand? Right. And then also another, the other thing is like, you know, some people's like, Oh, they need to have uh, social workers respond to these type of calls. But then what do you do just in that same exact situation where yes, is a mental person. We know it's a mental person, but now Middle person is armed and is, and you know, the right. escalation is not working because the escalation only works when the other person on the other end is willing to receive the de escalation, right. you know. So then it's like, okay, what do we do? Well, yeah, we have less lethal, you know, the taser. Uh, one of the other big things that's starting to come out, uh, I know in Lafayette, they're trying to get it to every patrol officer out here. Uh, only probably about, I don't know, that I know about 10 people that has it on shifts, uh, is less lethal, like shotgun, beanbag guns, or whatever. Um, so yeah so you know they got yeah we got less lethal things but what happens when this person turns it into a violent situation uh and we and we're forced to to do to use deadly force in these situations so uh but yeah man mental health man is 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 crazy because i don't recall that being such a big a big deal when we was coming up man you never you know the only mental health stuff you you heard in our time growing up was like the people with with uh like mental problems and I don't I don't know the proper word for like you know I don't retardation I don't know if that's the right word but you know the people that was like you know in, in special ed that's the only people we seen in, in school but that wasn't more no, mental they, problems that was more like physical with, um a lot of mental issues I was seeing um, most of the time especially I remember this one guy he we lived in the super Sam and he would have mental episodes and. The police would get called, but most of them knew him. It's not like a big city right. where you're running into a complete stranger. So I think they knew more how to deal with him, you know, because they actually were from units, the officers, and they already knew about this guy. They, you know, so it's different when it's someone you know and it's a stranger. That's um going to, like, community policing. That's why I'm big on that because – People who protect our community should know or try to get to know everyone in the community. And I think it'll be, you know, you, when you know someone, it's a different level of respect. It's a, you know, it's, it's a big difference than going into, a sh- running into a stranger. That's why I'm so big on like police doing community walkthroughs and stuff. And I think a lot of forces need to adopt that also and do that. Because, you know, it's not done in most forces. Yeah. Uh, I know in, in Lafayette, over here in, in this department at work, we do we do some things uh, like thing next week or maybe this weekend. They have a event. They doing tacos with a cop, you know, uh, out there in the community. But in Lafayette, uh, I never done it because I was on, always on shift. So it was always more like the school resource officers, the people that work in the offices and uh, the, the uh, administration had always done it. But they will go walk in, you know, the north side of Lafayette and, in the course, the less predominant areas, the problem areas, 
And look, man, you would have like 40, 50 officers just walking the street, pa- passing out like resource pamphlets, box fans, you know, you know, just uh, necessities and stuff like that and showing people, hey, we are here for y'all. You know, we just don't come in y'all neighborhood when it's time to deal with whatever. But more so what that led to was so many, so much intel, because if I go do that as a single patrolman and try to walk my my beat and knocking on people's door one by one, you know, now this old lady may be looking like a snitch because now she's talking to the police. So some people don't want to talk because they don't want to look like a snitch. So with, with those community walks, what that done was if you see just a street flooded with cops and you see cops going in and out of people's house, you don't know what they're doing. You know what I'm saying? So you're people are to avoid the area. <laughs> yeah, so people are more comfortable giving that information because it doesn't look suspicious because there's just so many cops. You get what I'm saying? But, yeah, yeah the, I, I'm big on those community walks, um, you know, just getting out and community policing, you know, riding out with, man, bro, you should, when you when I'm patrolling, I got my music on, I'm bumping, I'm, you know, I'm jamming, I'm waving at people, they looking at me like, man, you a cop? I'm like, man, I'm human, you know what I'm saying? Like, I got to make this <laughs> yeah. job fun. It's so, there's so much negativity that comes with it. Like, you got to find a way to make this job fun or you could just be miserable by all the negativity that, that people try to throw on you. But, um, but yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. Uh, and that is a, a big deal about knowing, uh, you know, knowing the people that you protect and serving. But right. I said it in a later, in an earlier episode, you know, it shouldn't just be the job of the police officers to bridge that gap and meet in the middle. Right. You know, right. That's what I was, um, you know, it, it's both ends respect on both ends and, accountability on both ends. You know, a lot of people don't want to hear that, but I'm a realist. I tell the truth. I've been in situations where the police officer was the disrespectful one and the disrespect came as a reaction to that. And then I've been on that end where the disrespect came from a person and then the officer responded to that. So, you know, it's accountability is the thing and respect on both ends. But, you know, it's inherited hate especially with police officers in black communities. It can go back to the slave days, like the first real police um, farm from like slave patrol. So it was like, it's kind of in a sense, like a generational curse. It kind of reminds me of the Bloods and Crips in California. Like they rivalry started in the sixties and here 60 years later, it's still going on by a generation that has no idea why that fighting right. started. Right. You know, and it's the same with policing in black communities. Like it's inherited hate. It's like we need to fix that that trust gap because imagine police being used just for slave patrol in black communities and stuff. And now, you know, it kind of seems like they're still doing that. They are they're in the poverty stricken black low income neighborhoods doing the same so it's like it's the same thing it's a generational curse and the people of these communities is like a trust thing like why would we trust these people you know what i'm saying and but i think both people both the police and the people need to work on that so how how can we uh if you have to offer a solution or an answer for that uh more so you know we just talked about what the police could do to be better but you know, just like racism and hate and all that, that's taught in the homes. So, right. you know, that's something as law enforcement officers, you know, we, yeah, we can try to break through that. 
But how, as as parents, you had any advice to tell, you know, the listeners of this podcast who may be doing that to the police, telling their children, you know, because it starts with just small things that people don't realize. And one of my pet peeves is when when uh, a little kid is acting up and they see a police. Oh, he go take you to jail. And then just yeah, something yeah. so small like that. Now they're scared of the police because all they know is associate me with I'm going to take them to jail. They be bad. Which, right, in right. a sense, it it, like it, it, it 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 does have some truth, but that's you know, being bad and breaking the law is two different things. But don't right, try to right. use me to help discipline your child, because uh, all you're doing is is instilling fear in your fear. child. Yeah, I was just about to say, like you read my mind, and I'm I do not agree with instilling fear in, in children. Like, yeah, that's you shouldn't instill fear in anyone, honestly, but. Right. Yeah, that is wrong. I agree with you. I I always disliked when people did that with their kids. They try to use the police to scare them. And then at the same time, when they're older and they might run from the police, like you're teaching them backwards. You know what right. I'm saying? Because then they run and it's like, why are you running, man? I'm scared of you. It's like, what's what you scared. to be scared of? Yeah. <laughs> you know, why are you and scared? police officers probably thinking like, this grown man is not scared. But in reality... He was taught to fear y'all his whole life, so he right. really is scared, you know. But how yeah. how in this day and age, you know, yes, with the slavery stuff and how the police was used, you know, I, I just I just feel like I have a hard time understanding how how can we continue to use that as a excuse, you know, and, and keep living like that instead of trying to figure out how can we get over that hill and make things better, especially for the future generation. Like I said, it's it's inherited hate, and the the thing is, we have to build a trust for both sides, and it's it'll kind of be hard. You know, it will be hard, but it can happen. That's why I'm I'm big on again community um, walkthroughs. Not even just like when you're off, but when you're on the force. You know, you might not be in your patrol unit. I see a lot of police cars and units just parked. They could get out and walk neighborhoods, learn speak to the kids, learn the, everybody's name and stuff like that. So I'm more likely, you as an officer, Kendra, say you live here in my um, neighborhood and you police there. I know you. So say my child did something. Like, I will feel comfortable turning my child into Kendall. You know what I'm saying? Right. I know Kendall. Is, you know, we got to know. But to this other officer that I have no idea you just give what's going on. You child over to a stranger. I'm not. Right. I'm not I'm not doing that. So that's why I think it's big. for. And I know in bigger cities that could also be hard. I don't know how the patrolling works. Are, are y'all like assigned to a certain area mm-hmm. and how many police officers are assigned to this area? Can y'all even cover all the ground? You know, but I think that would help a lot. Yeah, it's. It is difficult. So, like me, I, I like to talk. I like to get out, man. I see people cooking, man. What's up? What, right. you, what, you, what you got on that pit? You know what I'm saying? Let me get a, let me get a little taste. But out here in this city, bro, it's hard. Like people don't come outside, and I'm like, what's what's wrong? Like people scared of outside around here? Like I'm I'm confused. Yeah, I'm like I'm confused. So you know that way I have to then you know I would have to go knock on everybody's door, which yeah, yeah I could yeah. do. You know, it's just an excuse of of why not to do it, but um. You know, it, it's then again, it's like, well, why does cop randomly knock yeah, on my yeah, door? Like, I'm not going to yeah. answer my door. You know what I'm saying? Right. Uh, I wouldn't go knock. Like you say, like you do, like if you see people and you just get down, you know, greet people, respect and 
how you doing and stuff. Yeah, that's that's working on it. So next time they see you passing, they might cook and might stop you. Hey, you want a plate or something like yeah. that? Or you might bring a case of water from one day and just like, yeah, I look thirsty out here in this hot sun, you know? Man, I, and I that's make, building uh, trust, you know? I make all, I say I make all my friends, but I do that mostly at a, at a gas station that's in my area, a racetrack that's in my area. You know, man, if I'm if I'm slow, if I'm if it's slow, I go chill out at the racetrack for, you know, 30, 45 minutes, whatever. Uh, and me and my me and my boy that came with me from from Lafayette, uh, man, we chill with the workers. Man, I'll be in that dust mop in the floors, you know, clowning with the <laughs> workers. We, you know, we just mingling more so with the workers. But then as people come in, you know, uh, just talking to people, you know, man, you going to drink with that case of beer tonight. What you going to do? And it's just mingling, showing people like, hey, we are human, too. You know, like, you don't have to be scared to us. And that's what I always tell people. You see a cop in a gas station or whatever, and you curious about something, that's the perfect time to, you know, get a chance to to talk to a cop. And that way you could judge them on, on that. But you just can't look at, you know, an a officer or anybody and just judge them right. without even getting, giving them a chance to 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 give you something to judge, if that makes sense, you know. And you, yeah, and I I think I agree and think that goes, like, both ways people judge police officers like i've been guilty of that i see a police officer i don't even speak you know oh well um, i pass right by him and don't speak but i wouldn't do that to a, a regular person i pass by people and i speak to them because you know that's how i was raised right but when it comes to police officers i do do that and i'm pretty sure i've been judged by police officers of thousands of times until they actually pull me over and have a conversation with me then they'd be like oh yeah, I thought so, this was about to go <laughs> totally different. But yeah, so is so it? I think is it because of the uniform that that makes you do that, or is just oh yeah, you know, because I wouldn't see, I wouldn't know that you're a police officer in plain clothes. So yeah, you know, you just and I guess that's kind of like goes back to stuff that's instilled in me. You know, I've been through a lot with police officers and units, like a lot. And it's kind of traumatic in a sense, you know. We don't like to think of those things as traumas. But my first time when I moved to units from New Orleans, I was like eight. So maybe I was nine coming back from the park with a group of guys. The oldest kid might have been like 13. And we got pulled over and searched, you know. And then it became normal throughout my whole, like, childhood and teenage years from there. So I thought it was normal. But now, you know, being an adult, like, that is traumatizing, and that was not supposed to happen to kids. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So it's it's things like that, and that make me still dislike police officers in a sense. You know, I have a saying that there are no such thing as a good police officer. Right. I say that, and what I mean by that is that they have good people, like, you're a good person. I have no doubt in my mind that you are, but are you really a good police officer? You know, I have to sit down and question things like that because it's like if Kendall sees his partner break a law while on the job, will Kendall arrest him? You know, that would be a good police officer, and I don't see police officers do that, those right. type of things. You know, I've only seen it once on, like, YouTube, like, with a woman, and then she got fired, but it was like, you know, so yeah, but that's you, why I say that. But, you know, it, it happens – it happens more often than you than you see it because the news media is all about what the, what you you know you see on social media on the news you know what I'm saying, um, but just think of like Derek Chauvin. I mean, he was a cop who you know who had to go arrest him. 
It has to be another cop, yeah. you know. No, I'm saying more. Oh, you talking about like right? Like why right. didn't they stop him from doing that right there? Yeah, and you know what I'm saying. And I feel like a lot of officers, especially when the officer is older than them or been on the force longer than them, they don't want to step on toes or you know cross any boundaries. But I'd be more of like, do your job. You could have easily stopped him from doing that, and y'all still could have held him down there without right. that type of force. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So Man, we had uh That's- in my in my oral because you said, you know, older than you know, having more years and stuff like that on the force. But in my oral board, uh, for this agency, it was a it was a scenario posed as uh your FTO, whatever, is going through some stuff, divorce, whatever the case was, but then uh you realize that he he's been drinking before he came to work or something like that. So he's drunk on the job. What would you do? And I was like, man, I'll bring it up to him and kind of, you know, see what's what. Uh, and then if he is drunk, then one, I'm not getting in the car with him or I'm not working with him. Uh, I'm going to tell a supervisor. So then out of all that, it was like, oh, so, you know, one of the supervisors in the order board was like, oh, so if it's me and I got over 30-something years, you know, you would just – tell on me and now get me fired and I lose everything. I said, man, that's on you. You know, like you made that decision, not me, you know? Right. And that's uh, how it should be. But you know, some people, they look at it like, oh, that's my supervisor. I'll just sweep it under the rug. Right. You but, know, but you know, your supervisor wouldn't sweep nothing under the rug for you. I mean, right. some may, but, uh, but yeah, it's, it's, it's a personal decision that, that has to be made within that person. You know, if, if and if we could all be, program as robots and operate like that then what a perfect world it would be you know and i get it and i get it like with most organizations that's how it be you like you you want to protect it's like a brotherhood like i tell people all the time there's not a big difference in policing and and like in your neighborhood i say you be lawyer to your neighborhoods i say police officers be lawyer to their you know their co-workers right and stuff like that and i i try to tell that People, like y'all are human people and, people and you know to realize that it, it and it, it it comes up that way because you constantly working with these people and then it's not like you just work with somebody like you at mcdonald's or walmart or something like you trusting this person right. with your life with your at life. any given moment <laughs> so it's like in some way you know whether you like somebody or not i would i would believe that this person would you know rescue me take a bullet for me whatever the case is uh, help me in in, the, in any situation. So you kind of build that that brotherhood, that bind. I don't like the term brotherhood because it'd be your own motherfucking you people know, that be that, that be out to get you. The same with with any organization. You know, you could take complete strangers and put them together, and they'll either really hate each other or really like each other and come together. You know. Yeah. So man, moving along, uh, I know we didn't even get to none of the stuff that we that we discussed in the uh in a little intro, but uh but man, moving along real quick, uh just kind of touch base on on the whole criminal justice degree. Like when you're getting your degrees in criminal justice, uh is it is it more so, you know, you looking at the court systems and the judicial systems and stuff like that? Or how much of it is is focused on police work, like the actual duties of police. Because and the reason why I asked you this is, um, is man, I, I came across, you know, quite a few uh, people, especially college students, when you stop them and you're trying to do your job, and the first thing they say is, oh, I'm going to school to be, a, you know, I'm criminal justice. And I'm like, man, I don't care. Like, that. Pro- that's nothing to do with, like, my job. I'm sorry. 
you know. So just kind of kind of fill us in on uh, on, on what goes, goes into that. Like every aspect of the criminal justice system, from policing, and I guess it depends on how far along you go. So with me, the master's degree was mostly like above all of that. It's like you want to be the owner of a prison type or the top dog of the police station. I don't know what would y'all call it. Not the chief, but who's ever above the chief. Uh, well, at a, at a department, it's just the chief, but like city-wise, oh. it's like a city manager or a mayor would be above him. Yeah, so yeah, the master's degree was more into those type of things. So almost kind of like but, an admin, like an administrative yeah. type Right, deal. yeah, yeah. But um, associates and bachelors, I've had a lot of police um, classes and I think it it teaches you like the, for instance, I've been stopped and frisked a lot. And me being a criminal justice student, I know that they can't do that. But, you know, at the same time, I can't tell them I've been, you know, stopped and frisked. And what can you do? Throw out a um, Terry versus uh, Ohio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, they not, you know, that's what I learned about. So I know it's wrong, but at the same time, a police officer will do what they want to do. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. If they felt like the need to stop and frisk me for, for whatever reason, like we learned that that's against the law. That's why you hear a lot of criminal justice students or people who graduated voice dead opinion. Like, I know I'm, I'm you, what you're doing is not right, but it's not so the I'm time to fight it on the, on the side of the street, though. Yeah, that's what a lot of us don't get. And, you know, I'm a very argumentative person. So once I feel like, my rights are being violated. I like to speak on it in the sense of, I don't, I'm letting you know that I know that you're not supposed to be doing this. It's not like that I want to do this. Like, go ahead, carry on. I don't have nothing on the right. to do your job, but I know you're not supposed to be doing this. So, yeah. But I, a lot of the time, like, especially in those little departments, like Eunice, for instance, they don't know things like this. I, I honestly, I look back and I think, they probably thought stop and frisk was normal. That they, like they had okay. to do that. Yeah, anytime they yeah, wanted to. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. And that's not their fault. That's the department's fault. Like, what what are y'all doing? Y'all not educating officers on these type of things? Like, are these only things in big cities like Los Angeles or New York? Because mm-hmm. you know they get implemented. You know they get in more trouble when they stop and frisk. Right, and when you frisk, violate you somebody's rights. <laughs> right, you know, and uh, it'll get a whole case. The person could be guilty. Now you didn't got the whole case thrown out, and I think in Louisiana, it don't work like that. You know yeah, what I'm saying? It's, it's, it's weird how how policing work because, like, just think about it. Like these small cities, units, Basile, and stuff like that. Like I know somebody right now who's a cop in Basile, and all he done was like rode with somebody for maybe a couple months, and right. bam, they give him his own cop car. Never been to no police academy. Never been to like. You know, had no, I guess, training and stuff. And I'm like, bro, like, get out of there right now because right. look how look how they doing cops. Let's uh, what's that woman name who shot Dante Wright when she thought she was shooting? Uh, had her taser. Twenty six years, and look how them people look how them people hammered her. I said, you go put yourself in a situation where you gotta use force, you gotta shoot somebody, whatever the case is. And the first thing that that gets attacked and get looked into is your training. You're training, and then people find out you ain't got no training. 
Man, you might just go pack uh, your bags. Just imagine today. working that job for five years, then wanting to get out of Lil Bazil and move to Houston or something. And your five years of experience might get you the job, but you have no idea what you're really doing out there. Right. And you go try you know, to do some, a, some some stuff that you've done in, in Bazil in these big cities and you get yourself hurt. Right. Right. Like it's a big difference. Yeah. I, Training and educating officers, especially like small communities like Eunice and Basile, all that I think is very important because, Lord, I've been through so many traumatic. I'm talking about excessively tased. I'm talking about lied on. Come to find out the police officer was a member of the KKK. And I'm thinking like, well, every arrest he made should, be should get up. this. Yeah. You know, you can't find stuff like that out about a police officer and things. Now, these people might be 100% guilty. But I was 100% innocent, is in but how could you tell? Yeah, everything is questioned because of that police officer's character. You know, so, yeah, I think, I don't know how y'all do, like, well, each department with background checks, but how could you, like you say, how could you even tell if someone's racist or not, right. you know, going into the force? So and that, you and can't tell a, no one's intentions. Right. Uh, but you know, man, it's weird. They had a uh, an incident in Florida a couple of years, but an officer done that where he would stop people, search their cars, and he was planting stuff in their cars and arresting them and making it seem like, oh, look, I'm just out here finding all this dope. And then uh, I think his body cam, of course, ended up catching him. He thought he turned it off, and he didn't, and they caught him planting the dope or whatever like that. So they threw out everything. You know, of course, he, he went to jail and stuff, but... Uh, but yeah, man, this small city, and that, that's one of the things. Uh, I got an episode that's gonna talk about training because, uh, like my training in Louisiana was eleven weeks, short eleven weeks, versus out here was twenty eight weeks. And what I learned in twenty eight weeks versus eleven weeks was bro, night and day, you know. And, right. I, and it's, it, I'm just thinking, like, bro, like these people, like some, you know, some. I think state police is twenty eight weeks in Louisiana. I think that should be across the board. You know, if the highest ranking police, officer, you know, state police uh, is 28 weeks, that should be across the board. Um, right. But, you know, these small agencies like Bazil and Eunice, they could hire somebody off the streets, train them in department yes. training, send them out there to go be a cop. And they don't have to go to the police Basically, academy. Just all they have to do is a ride along. Right. They don't have <laughs> they don't have to go to the police academy until up to a year. So what they do, they they either resign or they let you go. On that 364 day, you take a couple of days off and they bring you back. Now you, you clock started over again. And I just that's can't understand, was, like, how how can this happen? Like, what law? That's what? why I, I honestly feel like, imagine you said, like, 28 weeks was your training. I feel like a police officer, at minimum, have an associate's degree, you know, in, in the field. Because it teaches you, like I was saying earlier, about those rights and you i think if you work hard like you got this degree you have these student loans which will probably get erased because you're a police officer but you 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 know it's gonna be harder for you to just throw that away you know what i'm saying yeah. like when i go to work every day i kids some of them they flash out they punch workers and stuff like that and you know when I first got into there, you know, that was before the training. Like, my first day at work, a kid punched And me thinking, well, if a kid punched me, I'm going to beat his. But in reality, 
I can't do that. Right. I work here, you know, punch me. That's why I got trained. I know certain takedowns and how to handle the kids without hurting them and stuff like that. Thank God I've never had to yet. But, you know, a lot of officers don't, you know, they don't get those types of things. Like you say, especially in small cities. Yeah. Like like the officer you was just talking about, like, what will he do if it does get combative out there and it's just like, hands you're gonna be quick to draw your gun right because uh, yeah because you're not learning anything yeah (laughs) you're gonna be scared that's another big thing i feel like um a lot of people like in in black communities need to become police officers you know they need to erase that thing the thought of what a police officer is out their mind and and start policing their own communities like if you want to help the problem go be a police officer help the problem because they put people, for instance, imagine a sheltered person that's never lived in a hood and all his ideas of the hood is Bad what he stuff. may have seen on TV or yeah, or what people say, tell him, and it's all bad things. So you know how, especially black communities, we might argue with each other just playing a basketball game. Talk and with your get, hands disrespectful it might look like we're about to fight we might even push each other and push the ball throw the ball somebody who's never experienced that like outside looking in they gonna you know make matters worse by trying to intervene in a situation yeah you know what i'm saying and i feel like if, if there was an officer from that community kendall probably just sit on his car and like y'all y'all shoot for ball or something like that yeah stop you know, but another officer who's never seen that, they ready to arrest somebody. And you know, they have they have a lot of officers that's like that. Like in this academy that uh, I came to in Texas, they had this uh, this little chick, white chick, uh, who you could tell, you could just tell in her demeanor that she just was, she went to college and then whatever, she woke up and be like, I want to be a police. So she applied, got the job, came to police academy. And yeah, and that's what I'll tell people. Anybody could pass police academy because if you do what they tell you in these training scenarios, you know, it's training. You know, if you if you do what you do, even if you mess up, but you still making progress, anybody could do that. Anybody you study the material, anybody could take a test and pass it. You know. So going to the police academy is not the hard part. The hard part is once you get on the job and now shit there's not no scenario this is for real for real if somebody running from you with a gun in their hand what what the hell you could do you know this not this you mess up you can't take no mess up back and what what was starting to happen with her just in scenarios you could she was shaky dude like you know nervous she didn't know what to do she was like and we like bro like this is just a scenario like yeah, you nervous because yeah, you don't want to mess your up. Life really on the line, right? You know, so she ended up not making it. Uh, she graduated police academy, but once she got into the, they do like many academies, kind of where you focus more on departmental, uh, how the department operate and do things. She ended up not making it, you know, because they realized like this, a, she could either get somebody killed or get herself killed, you know. Uh, but they have so many officers that's that's not really scared but don't know the culture of, of the African-American community, just like you said about the basketball game. And I always was a big believer of every once in a while, they need to just switch it up. Uh, in Lafayette, they had a guy that always worked the south side, a white guy. And he he said it out his mouth that if they ever put me on the north side of Lafayette, I'm going to quit. Because he was just that scared to go work the north side of Lafayette. 
That's crazy. And I'm like, you bro, know, that's another that's the thing fun with, stuff. <laughs> that's another thing with police officers. You know, they do have a lot of people, and not not to say like men and women, grown men and women, shouldn't fear a little bit. But as a police officer, I think of it as more of like the military. You know, y'all also are fighting for this country. Y'all should be the bravest of the brave you know what i'm saying yeah and like to be scared out there because this with the incident at home um that just happened with our childhood friends being shot a police officer was on scene kendall he ran away i didn't hear i didn't hear that part what yeah yeah. that's what i'm saying like and i've heard another um person well this is passed down information so you know but a woman told me that she stopped and asked one of the police officers in units like um some gunshots went off and he was sitting in his car and he was like they're shooting an automatic i don't even i don't have one of those i wait till the gunshot stop and then i go and i and that opened my eyes because in reality he wasn't wrong you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. imagine somebody shooting an ar and all you have is a pistol it's like ah yeah, I mean, it's, <laughs> you know it's his I'm life. You can't expect that man to go right run so towards gunshots. That, I was like, at first, I was like, yeah, he's scary. I shouldn't be a police officer. But then I thought about it. I was like, ah, I probably wouldn't go if I heard them AR shots and all I had was this black eye. Yeah. You know, I'm going to wait too. Unless, so unless, she, unless she told him specifically, like, hey, somebody is getting shot right then right, and there. Right. You know, but, but, I think but, it was just, but just they, some shooting was, there. Yeah. She uh, was coming out of the poultry, and he was parked there, and he, the gunshots was ringing out, and she was like, hey, you don't need to rush over there. And he was like, they're shooting an a AR, an assault rifle. All I have is a pistol. I don't. We're not equipped with those assault rifles. So it's like, why would you go over there right away, you know, if somebody's shooting the AK-47 and all you have is a Glock? Right. So I kind of understood his point of view, but to the officer that was just standing on the corner, when gunshots rang out and you're in uniform with a gun on you and you ran, that's kind of like, yeah. And, and why are you even a police officer? But then again, he probably only got to ride alone for what he probably was weeks. a reserve cop <laughs> with no trainer, yeah. just trying to make a little extra money. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, man, that's, that's crazy. So, man, while we go on this uh, topic, give me the first three words, uh, descriptive words when you hear the word police officer, do. My first thing, <laughs> uh, mine's a, mine's my first thing will probably be negative, honestly. My first three would probably be run, don't talk, and <laughs> and like dislike. It's my honest opinion. I don't come over here. To right, but you, do, but you respect that. Uh, you know, I respect that because, like you said earlier, that's based off of your traumatic incidences growing right. up. Right. It's so bad, Kendall. My son can't even watch Paw Patrol <laughs> because of because of, of y'all parenting, uh, like y'all y'all preferences. Because of me, my traumatic experiences, and you see how that's getting passed down already. Right. Like, and you know that if I can accept that and I know it, you know. I'm going to fix it. I'm going to correct myself over time because that's what I do. If I see I'm doing something from my past and putting it on my children, I, I try to stop myself. So even with the police, you know, the dislike for it, that shouldn't be his experience with police officers. You know right, right. what I'm saying? Because <laughs> it's mine. now your job to not, you know, make sure he doesn't have those same experiences that you did. Right. 
right? And I and he shouldn't judge police officers off of my experience. That's that right. judgment call that we was talking about earlier. And that's and that's right, how people know? do when you talk about slavery. You know, oh look what the white right. people done to our people. You wasn't even born yet. Like, you know, well, you can't with that. With that. With that. That is different because it certain things and in, are inherited, like. For instance, the police departments, like I was talking about, it's like inherited hate. Imagine being basically farmed to catch black people, slaves, and like that's just passed down. It's just passed down in every police department. Like, you know, it's, it's no different than, like I was saying, with the Bloods and Crips. Like, they, 60 years, the 1960s, the Bloods and Crips, they, all those guys died. They have no the idea what, yeah, you know, they have no idea what that whole thing was about. Like, so it's, you know, it's hand in hand. And then they have like that. I hate when people say black on black crime because yeah. as you know, cause you're a police officer. If you're in a all Mexican neighborhood, most of the time, that's a Mexican will be the victim of a crime to another Mexican. Same with a white neighborhood. So there's no such thing as black on black crime. Crime happens in the vicinity of you know where people live and if it's an all black neighborhood well right you know what you think gonna happen but you know that go with a lot even our communities you know the poverty stricken not not being able to get home loans and move to nice neighborhoods from back in the day like even after slavery after the civil rights movement you know with that thing called redlining that all played a major part because if you um a lot of people use crabs in a bucket, but, you know, maybe in Louisiana, we might say crawfish in a bucket mentality. <laughs> but, you know, and the thing with that is Jay-Z said it in a song, and I loved it. He said, crabs don't belong in a bucket. And he was right. Like, crabs in their natural habitat don't pull each other down. They don't have to. So when I feel like when black people was forced in these communities and to live in poverty, they got that crab in a bucket mentality. They start pulling each other, pulling each other down, hating each other. But how were we in our natural habitats before all this? We helped each other. We, you know, I loved it. I loved the unity that our people had, and we kind of lost it when we was pushed into poverty survival mode. Going, and that's with any animal, human, that'll happen. You know. Yeah. So that's why I feel like that's different. Because I feel like, you know, they kind of systemically screwed us in yeah, this it makes country. Sense. Yeah. Uh so growing up in Eunice, uh, with your experiences in law enforcement, and I don't know if you had any experiences uh with law enforcement in Seattle, but I mean, do you see the big difference like we talked about earlier, night and day versus small city, big city policing? Yeah, and it's really night and day. All my experience, so I'm already on edge because I'm moving from units and my idea of police officers are all negative in a sense, you know what I'm saying? And my first time being pulled over here, it was like, oh, shit. <laughs> you know, I didn't know what to expect. So, you know, Fair when you don't know what to expect, you're gonna be a little fair, fearful. And I, but the officer came and I was so comfortable. He was, he made sure I was all right. You know, it was, it was different. It was like a, I was shocked. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie, I was shocked. And then I've been pulled over like my total times, like maybe two or three times here, and it was totally different than what it would have been back home. Right. They basically. They make sure I'm comfortable. 
I, you know, go through the basics, you know, I pulled you over, it might be an expired tab, because you got to get it done every year around here, and I, it always slips my mind, so I know it was like twice for that, and they just, I say, I didn't have my seatbelt on, and the officer laughed and said, no, I could write you for that too, though. <laughs> Tell him like, yourself. And he told me, yeah, right. And he was like, no, your tab's expired. And I said, oh, I'll be forgetting. I didn't drive my car in months because the car seats are in my um, fiance's car. So it's like I'm always in her car, and I'm never driving mine, so I don't pay attention to that. Well, he just wrote me the ticket, and I took care of that. I get online, and I showed him. I said, I'm, I just paid for my tabs. Yeah, they're going to be in the mail in like a week. It's like, okay, have a nice day. Like, and, and Eunice, you know, you get pulled over for, I've been pulled over for looking at an officer because he was driving in the oncoming traffic with his lights on and I pulled to the side, you know. Of course, he was just in the middle, like on Maple in both lanes. Mm-hmm. So I pulled over. I see police lights and I just looked at him. We caught eye contact, but he was going to wherever he was going. I made a left on Lewis Street, and the lights was behind me. I was like, <laughs> he turned around and stopped me because I quite eye contact with him, you know. And it was, that was like, where were you going? You had right, you had just, higher priorities apparently over that way. Yeah, and he pulled me over, and he, oh, you know, why I pulled you over? I smelled marijuana, like from the road. And officer, I've never smoked in my life, and I don't allow people to smoke in my car, so. I was like, he was asking the search, and I was like, no. And then in Louisiana at the time, you could hold a person until the K-9 dog yeah. came. So he held me. We sat there, and we only had one K-9 officer at the time. And if he was busy, he held me there for like an hour and a half to come for the dog to scratch my car paint and not hit on anything because you know you didn't smell marijuana. Right. You know that's And that's my experiences in Eunice and, you know, Compared to this, they have never asked me to search my car or anything here. They don't even, you know, they're not, they're doing their job right. You stopped me over for expired tabs. You didn't see anything. I gave you everything you needed and go on have a good day, sir. Yeah, it's very you know rare, saying? you know, I, I get into those, uh, you know, those type of, you know, investigations on my traffic stop because it's, it's different from this area I'm in now is night and day difference versus Lafayette where you almost had reasons to be like, man, you got anything in that car? Like you're not acting right. You know, you know, and I, and I, and I get that, especially like if you have real probable cause, Hey, go for it. Like you see something on that car. See that just leaning under the, um, under the, um, seat. If you see something that, you know, cause I'm pretty sure y'all look, you know, you mm-hmm. gotta be aware of your surroundings. Hey, yeah, do it, but to make, make it up. up a probable cause, yeah. that's what I don't like. You know, and the marijuana thing is always so easy because there's no way to prove that they didn't smell it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's the smell. So that, I think that makes it so easy. Here, up here, though, I had an incident where the officer, I had my firearm on the floor of my car and that was before i had a concealed weapons license but open carry is legal here and you know that was me moved that was like the first year i was here and um he took my firearm and stuff i felt like he could have showed me discretion because i didn't know but ignorance of the law is not an excuse 
So I took it like I, I honestly felt like he could have showed me discretion. Like it's my gun is in my name. I just had it on the floor. It was in plain sight to me, but up here that law that's considered um being concealed. So I made the argument like if it would have been drugs right there, it wouldn't have been concealed. It would have been in plain sight. But my gun isn't in plain sight. But they, he went by the law. You know what I'm saying? Right. He did do his job properly. I was just mad because I felt like he could have shown me discretion. Yeah. But then, uh, honestly, he did his job because our gun is supposed to be the clip. It's supposed to be out in the trunk, and you could have it like in the actual firearm in your glove box or in your middle console. Not sure, but it's like if somebody does me something, right? I mean, that's a lot of work. Hold on, let me go get big. Yeah, <laughs> let me so let me put my, my gun back together. <laughs> I just went get my concealed weapons license, and I was able to go get my firearm back and stuff like that. They gave me like ten hours of community service. I did that, and that was the end of that. Yeah, I think I everybody felt like he could have showed me discretion, but in reality, he, he did done his, his job. job. Yeah. <laughs> you know. So, uh, so man, speaking of guns. The gun violence, uh, not more so just around the country because, I mean, it's all over. Uh, but more so gun violence in our hometown of Eunice, bro. Small town like that, like I said uh, earlier, uh, if you want to touch base on, on how you lost your dad to gun violence uh, some years back. And then, you know, we just lost uh, another friend of ours that we knew growing up to gun violence in Eunice. About 14-year-old, right? He was 14. 14, yeah, 14 yeah. years old, and then one of our classmates uh, was a victim of that. Also, luckily, uh, you know, thankfully he didn't he didn't pass away. But uh, man, how do you feel about gun violence in 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 our hometown, and what can we do to to try to slow it down? Because yeah, I don't think it would ever stop, but slow it. You know, with right. these is these youngsters, bro. Man, I have no idea what's going on. Like, and I see a lot of parents most of the time when it's their children victimizing people. They be like, you know, we can't do nothing. It's not our fault. Y'all quick to blame parents, but not accountability. Yeah, because I know if I have my 14-year-old son doing some stuff that he ain't supposed to be doing, you ain't no way in the world you can make him believe you lost all control of your child. You right. know what I'm saying? And don't get me wrong, it happens, but come on now. You mean to tell me nobody in your family can help you rear this young man or woman, uh, I don't believe it. So I'll be holding parents accountable, especially at 14. Yeah, because... Like, come on. You know what I'm saying? Well, Man, it's crazy, like, doing this job for for six years. Uh, you you know, I run into these kids, because most of my career I work nights, but running into these kids, you know, late at night, early in the morning, whatever you want to call it, half of the time these parents don't even know where their kids are. And I was like, how you don't know where your 14-year-old son is at 2 o'clock in the man, morning? Man. You know, and, and working in Lafayette, that was the that was the ones shooting, stealing cars, running from us. And I'm like, what? Like, 14, you know, we was sleeping over at, at some friend's house playing a video game. If we was outside, we was probably playing hide and go seek or something like that. And, at night. You know, and you know what else it is, though? Being Allowing your children to hang around older, bad influences. You know, that's what I tell people, um, parents all the time, like, for instance, the guy I boxed with, he's 10 years younger than us. I'm 30. He's 20. I I never steered your son in the wrong direction. If I'm around him or he's talking to me, it's always some positive 
new stuff. I'm telling him because he goes to Grambling. You know, that's my rival school. Yeah. <laughs> but we still like a family. And I, I might talk trash about Grambling and stuff. But I'm always, um, yeah, finish school. Soon as you finish school, move move out of units. Please don't stay there. And uh, and I, I never, but they, I know I've seen other people, oh, um, glorify that type of stuff. Even when kids are babies, like, they kid, you see their kids sticking the middle finger, stuff like that, and they more so, uh, yeah, laughing, thinking it's funny and stuff like that. And when they get older, they got their little, they cussing and stuff. Mm-hmm. And they, again, you think that's funny, you think it's cute, but that whole time you're losing, you're losing that hold that you have on your child because you, you're not really parenting. You know what right. I'm saying? You, you remember that when? Go ahead. Oh, no, go ahead. So you remember back when we was growing up, the little gangs they had in Eunice? The, yeah, the yeah. Full-blooded goons. And they're more so. The, 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 I, was yeah. a, I still got the tattoo on me. I need to cover it up. <laughs> the goon, you know, the goons on deck. You know what I'm saying? Uh, but, yeah, I, I was talking to somebody about that earlier. Uh, you know. And, and you see, and I also, I accept, because I have little brothers that's 20 in the age group and stuff like that, that, you know, be bad, you know, Toonbug, been bad, the Angelo, been bad, it's my brothers, and, and I sometimes I hold myself accountable, and I be like, was I being, like, you know, did I leave that? them wrong? Yeah, you know, because that was a part of the, in my life, part time in my life when I was in the streets and stuff, and I didn't have anyone guiding me in that right direction. I had to make that flip on my own. Right. You know what I'm saying? I had to, like, I've never been a dummy so it was like, okay, you need to get your shit together. Blinds over this. All this is for the birds. You're going to either be in Eunice your whole life doing this. Like, you know, Eunice is a time lapse. You see everybody mm-hmm. doing the same thing over and over. And they don't have I didn't want that do. for myself. Yep. Right. I didn't want that for myself. So when I started changing, I started preaching to them and stuff. And they would always, oh, you always tell talking and stuff like that. But I felt like, you know. I was leading y'all wrong so many years. It's my job to be preaching to y'all. You know, when I made the change and I caught my head, now it's time for me to educate y'all. Right. Stuff. You know, some listened, some didn't, and I still feel responsible in a sense. But a lot of people tell me, you know, that's not your fault or whatever. But, you know, I, was, I wasn't taught the correct way, and I was out there doing things, and they was probably looking up to me and stuff, even not even just my siblings, but kids in my neighborhood. You know what I'm saying? They probably just was looking up to me, watching me do the, the wrong things. And now look what we have, a generation of kids that's went like to the extreme with it. You know what I'm right. saying? Everybody carrying and guns I, now. And I'm trying my hardest to help. That's what um, Shaniqua Joseph, she started the Pathways for Excellence. And that's kind of what we're doing. Um, it's her, she started it. She's the founder, and she asked me and a few other people from Eunice to join and help her. And we have, and so far we raised money for to get many refrigerators for those kids. Um, most kids that's graduating high schools, I think we did three fridger, mini fridges for three seniors in about seven different high schools in the area: Alpaloosa, nice. Eunice, Ville, Plant, and stuff like that. And we also doing a back to school drive and we also do like um gun violence awareness, mental health awareness. We give numbers like if y'all want to call and talk to someone, because I know me being a teenager, I didn't have no one to talk to, you know, no 
positive male role models in a sense. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like I had my father and he wasn't raised right either. Like I, I watch it in like generational things, like looking back at it and stuff. So, you know, my dad, he was a respected man in the community and stuff. And I feel like after he passed away, that that's when Eunice really went to trash, especially with the gun violence and everything, because I've watched this man and people were spewing. He go pick one of them up. Come on. He would drive to the the person they was feuding with house. Hey, y'all can either fight right here, or if y'all want to fight, y'all kill it right here. That's over with. And they would stop. And I feel like we don't have that person no more in that community. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, to step up. So with him, he was the only person I actually seen doing that and stuff like that. And it's like when he died, units don't have that person no more. Right. So it's like it's harder to get people together, and it's getting either even further apart like people are dying so the fuel is getting bigger and bigger you know every time somebody dies like pouring gasoline on a fire yeah you know what i'm saying and it's sad but even even you know with us growing up man like you say we had people like like your dad that would go out and do stuff like that you know you would do something in the neighborhood and before you could even make it home you probably got your ass up three or four times by the, right. by the, you know, by the old people in the That's neighborhood, thing. you know, so you don't have yeah. that, you don't have that, that discipline, that neighborhood discipline, because right. now or you touch somebody else's child, yep, you touch somebody else's child, you know, parents are ready to, you know, they fending for their child versus trying to figure out, you know, what, what truly happened and, you know, giving somebody that authority to discipline their child within reason, but, right. you know, that, that's another big deal. Um when we were in elementary, our teachers could whoop us with the ruler and yeah, a yardstick. Mr. Moody had you that pencil, that, that, that paddle, paddle with the holes in it. Like that. But I, I, I'm one of those new generation kids, and I don't know. It was like, because I've even told my my mom whoop, spanked my niece um, once I was there, and I told her, don't ever spank my child. So, you know, it's like, then I, you know, I thought about it when I got home. I'm like, Damn, what did I come through as my my grand my child's grandmother can't even whoop him. I, I'm messed up, you know. Right. I got to thinking about, it, but it's just the thought of somebody else putting their hands in your child. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. So I kind of get it, but at the same time, our community was better when when kids could get their ass whooped by other people. Cause you were scared to stuff, do stuff. You were scared know? to do stuff. Right. It's like, and that's another thing. These kids have no self respect. Even when I was in the streets. Like, if your mom uh, see me and pick up your pants, well, she could cuss at me. Pick your damn pants up. Yes, now. You know, uh, yeah. no problem. I didn't want no ass whipping, like you <laughs> say. Or, something to, or if I'm doing something, go home. You better get home. Yes, now. I'm getting home. This, these days, that's not happening. You know what I'm saying? Kids will disrespect your mom if they t- pick your pants. They might cuss your mom out. And right. then that caused more problems because once you hear that, you like, you just caught my mom that like you you know oh, yeah. and that's, you a child. I feel like it's yeah you know children don't stay in children's place no more like they used to tell us stay in a child's place and yeah because the kids be more adult like than the parents these days yeah man that's that's wild so man we're gonna start wrapping this thing up uh you know anything any questions you want to ask me uh you know as a police officer or anything you want to leave the listeners with before we head out, I think we um, touch bases on um, 
what I wanted to talk about with the um, educating officers and the training. You sound like you work for a good department. I wish just people would adapt to your department style all over the country, especially in those smaller cities. I think that's where it's the worst at. Uh, I can't say that because some big cities have problems too. Right. It's just, you know. We just know that the small in, city. Right, yeah, because that's where we live. Because I lived in New Orleans too for my first like eight years of childhood. And the police in there is different. I remember that police officers would get down out of their vehicles and the guys would be smoking. So, you know, with marijuana, while the police just talking to them. And I, I always found that like weird, but moving to Seattle where it's legal and I see people can do that in the street with a police officer right there. I say, hey, maybe they was on to something. To right. <laughs> you know? Maybe they're just way ahead of time. Right, right. And it's just crazy. But I think um, as the people of communities, most definitely black communities and police officers, I think we need to rebuild the trust that's been a curse for generations on like i said since basically the slave days so it'll be hard to build trust but it is not impossible right so i I stole this from uh one of my co-workers uh from out here and the things i like to tell people about you know helping rebuild that trust is one it you know make it your responsibility and your duty uh to also know the people that's protecting and serving you but, man, go go to the police departments, ask questions, you know, ask to talk to whatever supervisors or chief, whatever, you know, ask about policies and protocols and, you know, and figure out ways how you can make stuff better that you feel may not be up to par. You know, go to these city council meetings, ask questions, you know, because you have all your council members. Talk to your council member for your area. You know, so there's more ways to do, you know, to get involved and make help make these changes versus just sitting back and saying the police need to do it all. Right, because trust is a two-way street, and everybody knows that our relationships are the same. So imagine you're trying to gain the trust of your girlfriend after you cheated on her. You're going to try your hardest, and she should be accepting that you're trying. If she really wants you back, she's going to see that you're trying, and she's going to try also. You know, that's how it's going to – it should work on both ends with with policing and communities like yeah you actually give them a chance don't say we need to rebuild trust but when the police officer comes to speak to you you don't want to talk you want to yeah you know you brushing them off or something the same way like you said we should go into these stations like we don't know how things work around here go find out there's only one way to find out and hopefully it's (laughs) not the hard way (laughs) yeah just right (laughs) (laughs) two ways to find out (laughs) Well, yeah, you could go in there and, and learn. That's why I'm big on, like, on my Instagram. I tell people, like, yeah, y'all go read about law and stuff. I say, y'all don't wait till y'all get to prison to start going to the law library. They have a public library with all right. these law. Oh, you got Google. Learn it. Man, even, yeah, even yeah. when I'm working, if if I have a question about a law, man, I, I, type, I type in whatever it is, you know, Texas law, and bam. You know, usually the yeah, first week yeah, I, I could pull it up and read it. with that because, like you say, y'all human. You can't. I'm pretty sure you haven't learned every single law yet, but you know that comes with time, right? right? And like you're doing, you're educating yourself as time goes on, and the community should also educate themselves, also. Yeah, it's it's tough. Uh, you know, it's a lot better for me working out here because we don't. I don't have to deal with all. You know, with all that 
that that uh that riff raff, you know, that 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 hard neighborhood stuff. Uh yeah. but working working back in Lafayette, I tell you it was our people, the black people that gave me the hardest time as a black right. officer. And I mean, for the people who don't know, I was a fireman two years. Yeah. Who hates a fireman? You know, so I had it easy. <laughs> I had it super easy, you know, but in twenty fifteen with the uh I forgot it was the, the Ferguson incident. I forgot the little cat, okay. Mike Brown or whatever. Mike uh, Brown. Yeah. yeah. When that incident started happening, you know, I, I, I challenged myself. I was like, okay, I, I feel like I could make a difference. You know, I feel like I could be a police officer. I always gave myself an excuse like, oh, I don't have no patience for that. But I'm a very patient person. That was just an excuse of why I don't want to do it. But, you know, that's the reason why I, I came into law enforcement Uh is to try to make a difference and 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 help change these these outlooks on police officers and to show people like hey you know because it's different me going like we said earlier about the basketball game you know me going into a neighborhood and seeing that and be like man y'all you know y'all shoot football or whatever or just knowing how African Americans talk just like I'm doing I'm talking right. with my hands that's not a sign of aggression that's just how we communicate right. you know but you know if you don't know that coming in you. And you know we can get real with our hands right. and stuff pointing and cussing, and it could be my brother I'm fussing with, like we about to kill each other. That's my little brother. You know we talk like this all the time, hiking up the pants, you know, <laughs> squared but, up. And a lot of another thing I wanted to touch on is like with um black people and police officers, it always turns into like a black versus white controversy. And I always want to touch bases on this. The police officers that harassed us the most in the black community were two black police officers. They were not white police officers. Like, and I hate that it always turns racial. Like when when it's a problem with black communities and police officers, it for some reason it always goes to black versus white. And, and I never understood it, and I still don't understand it because it's like, no, because the police officers who harassed me, who well, is a, is some black men. Right. Well, so it's not a black versus white thing. It's really like police officers that are improperly doing their job and abusing their power. You know, not white police, not just white police officers. A lot of police officers just abusing their powers in, in our communities and stuff, and and I always hate when it turns racial because I, 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 I don't get it. <laughs> and that's that's what, especially, you know, it's the news media. My next episode after uh, after I release this one is going to be about news media because what people are not realizing is how the news media could 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 lead you in a direction and, and think, you know, make everything so racial. Because if you, if right. you, if you never notice, you know, pay attention or, or try to go back and look at stuff, you know, when it's a... Uh, when it's a black guy killed by a white police officer, the headline is black man killed by white police officer. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Why it can't be, you know, whatever agency kills man. Killed, yeah, <laughs> in a whatever deadly encounter. Something simple like that, you know, but it always, you know, they always have to put the race of the officer, especially black and white. But notice in the you, news is never you never see white police officer kill a white man or black police officer know. kills black man because nobody wanna see that. Nobody nobody ain't gonna get uh Riled up you by know that. what I use that ex- as a great example for that is like surrounding 9/11, how they um how they did Muslim people the same thing like they use their religion like you never see 
Christian man does this, you know, like when they shoot up a school, a Christian man told them God told him to do it, but they won't put Christian man. Right. But as soon as it's a Muslim man or something, they quit to put their religion out there and make American dislike Muslim people, you know? So it's like the same thing. Yeah. The media has a, a strong manipulation game. Yeah. And, <laughs> it's and, crazy. and like notice you never see nothing coming up in the news lately with law enforcement and I'm sure something happened, you know, something right, always right, right. happening, but it ain't that, it ain't that racial deal that, that they yeah. looking for. And, uh, and, and that's what I always say too. People don't catch on to things and realize why they trying to keep us so divided. Like that's how I think my mm-hmm. mind works is like when stuff like that happened and I see the media manipulating people and making us all again, I'd be like, why? Why are they trying to keep us divided? You know what I'm saying? What's the what's the point? Because yeah. we could easily get along in this country. Police officers, black communities, black people, white people, Muslim people, Christians, because it's all a respect thing. Exactly. Like I respect everybody, and I ex- I expect the same in return. You know, people like to say, um don't just um, respect me and I don't live like that. It's, it's like, you don't have to like me. You don't even have to respect me. Just don't disrespect me. Right. That's, all I ask, and that, that's, that's my motto. Uh, you know, when I'm working is you don't have to, you don't have to like me cause I'm a police officer, whatever. But before I want you, before I want you to respect me for a police officer, respect me for a man first before, before a police right. officer, because I was, I, you know, I'm human this is just a uniform. This comes off. You know what I'm saying? I don't right. operate. You know, I don't live my life. When somebody asks me, hey, man, what's your name? I don't say I'm a police officer. You know what I'm saying? Right. So it's like respect me as a as a man before the uniform. And I told uh, a kind of story on my on the last episode where I was at this hotel for a call, came across these two guys, didn't have nothing to do with the call. You know, I'm walking by them. I was up, fellas. And then when I had to walk back by them, dude started mumbling. I said, here we go. Man, F y'all, I hate y'all. You know, all y'all do is kill people, this and this. I'm a two-time felon. You know, just talking smack. And I'm like, you know, I had to remain professional, and I just kept walking, you know, because we were just going to sit there and fuss all day. But my thing was like, bro, it's crazy because if I wasn't in uniform, you wouldn't have just told me, fuck me. You know, excuse my French right. to my listeners. See, but, that's that, but that's that judgment call that you was talking about earlier. Right. You know? Because more and than likely. That's why, you, that's why you asked, was it the uniform? What is it the uniform? Yeah, because more than likely, if, if if somebody walked by you and just tell you F you or call you a B, whatever the case is, more than likely you'd be ready to punch them in the mouth. You know, so why? <laughs> what gives you the right to do that just because I'm in uniform? And but that's yeah. that goes that respect uh that respect deal right uh so yeah man it is is wild you know the the racism that the news media trying to portray you know Derek Chauvin George Floyd they tried to say that was racial I I don't believe that was racial I just think that he just made he was out there trying to prove a point because people was yelling for him to get off and I've been guilty of it as a police officer luckily it wasn't to no major extent but. You know, some simple as I'm parking my car in front of a, a, a grocery store, and somebody's like, "You can't park there in the fire." Like, you see what this? You see what the side of this car says? You know, who go tow? You know, call a tow truck. You know, so it's just little stuff like that. But I checked myself on it, and I think that's what right. that's what Derek Chauvin was doing. Was like they tell him to get off, and he's like, "Y'all ain't gonna make me get off. 
I got my people surrounding me, make keeping y'all back. So I'm just right here trying to prove a point that y'all ain't gonna stop me until I'm ready to get off. You know, and uh, a lot of cases aren't racially motivated, in my opinion. You know, like you say, they gonna make it look like that, but you know, and then it's people outside looking in, like myself, is like, how can we tell someone's intentions? We, I tell people all the time, we cannot weed out racism. Right. We don't how, know how, how they can you look. Fix it? Yes. You yeah. Know. We, Nobody yeah, walk around with a sign that says I'm racist. I'm racist. Yeah. Blatantly open with it. We will never know. We've been the units high. And although we have our thoughts about some racist people, in reality, yeah, there's still no, no way we can prove that they're actually racist. You know yeah. what I'm saying? So sometimes people, we might think they don't like us because we black all the time. They just don't like our personality. And that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Uh, you know, with the, it's hard to, to distinguish that. With the Micaiah Bryant, you know, white officer, you know, saved the life of a black girl. I know, and I brought that up because you had mentioned something about that on Facebook. Uh, you know, how people just wanted the officer just to be so wrong because he shot a black girl. You know, yeah. and just automatically yeah. they throw they throw race into it. You know, LeBron James tweeted, "Oh, you next." You know, it's like, bro, you don't even know the story. But if you if you did know that the story, properly did his job. But we so I, quick I'm to stand on that hill, and yeah, people see that's the thing about me. I'm for people. They be trying to because I'm with an Asian woman. One guy told me, um, "You with a spicy white person," so he. <laughs> Because I had posted something about stop Asian hate. And I say, yeah, you don't know me very well. I don't just stand up for black people because I don't, I want equality. I don't want to be superior. Right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, so just... equality means everyone's equal. So, yeah, you're going to see me standing up for Asian people, Latina people, Hispanic, white people, police officers. And I stood up for that police officer because, yeah, that woman was about to be stabbed. What would y'all, y'all would have had a problem no matter how that went. If the little girl would have got stopped, it would have been, oh, a police officer was on the scene, he couldn't stop. What y'all uh, he, was, he, was still, he still would have been wrong. Yeah, he would have been wrong no matter what. Uh, to me, he saved the life. And that, and that's, know, the, that's the uphill battle that, that, yeah. that kind of frustrates me. It's like, damn if we do, damn if we don't. It's like, okay, well, since you have all the solutions, what do we do then? You know, because it's different to sit here and talk about it and, you know, when you're not in a situation. But I've been in a situation where I probably could have shot somebody. Dude was running from me with a gun and looked back at me. And, you know, then he ended up throwing the gun in the, in the drain. And I asked myself, well, damn, why you didn't shoot him? I, forgot, I don't know. Like, I, I I just, everything just happened so quick that. And I didn't been in situations like that myself, like fighting with someone with my gun on my Thing. Like, I could have easily just, but why? I can fight. I can take right. an ass whipping. I can, I'm okay. There's no need for my gun in some situations. But, you know, a lot of people, we all don't think alike because we would be robots if we did. Like, just because me and Kendall didn't think to pull our gun first, that don't mean somebody else wouldn't think soon as he looked back. And that could have been, it could have happened to that police. Imagine if somebody did that to you before and shot at you. So imagine your second chase after somebody looked back and shot at you before, when you seen that look back, it probably would have triggered something in you to pull your gun out and shoot. And then other people on the outside looking at it like, Kendall shot that man. He didn't have to shoot him. 
but they don't know what Kendall been through. Right. Kendall got shot at before, but you know, I think a lot of people fail to realize police officers are human and they they are allowed to get scared. You know, that's why I respect the police officers that they ask them, why did you, why did you do it? I got scared. That's an okay answer because right, I'm human. human. I get scared sometimes. Yeah, you know, but people don't be okay with that because they think we're supposed to be, you know, these big bad superheroes and not scared of nothing. Yeah. And if you're not scared of police work, then you need to get out because that's a problem. Like that's like me on this job. You know, some kids have stories and it make me cry. I'm a counselor, and one of my coworkers say, "Oh, you're not supposed to cry. Um, don't do that." I'm what? I'm gonna cry if it makes me cry. I'm not holding in no emotions right. to for, for what for you. And look at me, I, every kid in that we assigned four, but all twelve of them want me to be their counselor because, because you're showing that, that personable I, the, that personality right. and, to them that you. They can. all respect me. I respect them. I've done things like kids wouldn't take showers, and I've changed all that behavior. Now even when I go back in the work. Delonzo, I took a shower today because they would only take showers when I was on the shift type stuff. And and the coworkers asking me like, "How you got him to take a shower?" I don't reveal my secrets. Uh-huh. Like y'all not y'all not respecting them because they're children. First of all, I'm watching, I'm witnessing it. Y'all think y'all older, so y'all think y'all superior. And then again, because they're inmates, y'all think y'all superior and stuff like that. You know, and I feel like I always correlate that with police work and also corrections. You know. At the same time, sometimes police officers look at people like that. You know, they that's those officers that think they're superior because they are officers. They don't look at it like this is a grown man I'm talking to because I haven't been standing on the corner at 25 years old and a police officer, get the fuck off the corner. Fuck you. <laughs> that's my response as to, hey, you don't mind not standing here? Oh, okay, no problem. Right. You know, it's a difference. You know, when you respect somebody, you give respect. You know, I don't know, some people have, and not just police officers, because some men like that, too, you know, those men that think they just run the show, like they don't have to respect nobody, you know, like move the fuck out of my way type people. Like, nah, I'm not one of those people, and that's when a problem comes into play. Yeah, okay. That's when the problem comes into play, you know, with like it's simple respect both ways. Yeah, both ways. And that, and that's why I feel this whole country just just lost that is is the respect. Uh, but going back to you know being on sides, man, I'm on the side of of right. You know, right, right. or wrong. Let, let's argue right or wrong. Let's not argue racial intentions because nobody can ever prove that unless that person right. truly admits it. You know, so right is right, wrong is wrong. But uh, but yeah, man, let's start closing this up. I know we said that like thirty minutes ago. <laughs> thirty minutes ago, yeah, so man, any uh, get interesting. I could talk for hours. Oh man, me too, bro. We already had an hour twenty six minutes. I think it's probably one of the longest hey, we episodes. We did good. But... We went over the time. Right. So that's good. It is all good information. So man, you want to uh, again any closing remarks uh to the people? I'm just more bridging gaps with police officers. Black community, it's okay to talk to police officers and building trust with the police officers in your community. Police officers saying it's okay to get out your vehicles and talk to these people in the community. It's the community you're policing. How could you protect and serve 
people that you don't know, that's strangers. Nah, get to know these people. Good stuff, good stuff. Well, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Delonzoville, a.k.a. The Dude, thank you for joining the show, man. Thank you for having me. It was a pleasure talking to you, man. So, well, ladies and gentlemen, that's going to be it for episode number nine. Uh, Thank you all for tuning in. I know this episode was a little bit long, but uh, it was definitely worth it. So, before we head out, I'm going to leave you all with closing remarks uh, or my positive message, as I like to call it. And it's simple as sometimes you are not responsible for where you are, but you are responsible for how long you stay. And that is it for another episode of Speak On It Podcast with K-Sam. Talk to y'all next time, ladies and gentlemen.